Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving you guys a game recap of the Thunder Lakers game. And I'm also going to be talking about the OKC Blues debut against the Salt Lake City Stars. And to top it all off, I'm going to be giving a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that one. But before I get into talking about the previous games, I want to let you guys know about a giveaway that I currently have going on at my Twitter, at Ben Kreider. And all you have to do is you have to retweet the post, tag two of your friends, and follow at ThunderstickPod, the podcast on Twitter, and you're entered. It is for a $100 NBA gift card, and this is through, obviously, good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and the Basketball Podcast Network, and you guys can submit uh, your entries until the 11th. I think at midnight is when that will close off, so make sure to get those retweets uh, in. I believe the way it works is whoever has the most uh, retweets out of the guys in the Basketball Podcast Network, uh, they will have the uh, opportunity or one of those Retweets will officially be uh, the winner, but you guys can always retweet, follow those instructions, and you guys might be able to get a $100 NBA gift card. You guys can get an SGA jersey, a Dort jersey, a Baisley jersey, anything you want to get. You guys uh, can find it through there, so just make sure to check out the Twitter. But without further ado, I'm just going to get right into Thursday's game against the Lakers. I was trying to get this to you a bit earlier. My apologies on that one, but this was one hell of a game. So you go into this and... OKC, you know, they were going off against the Lakers last week. They were down 26 points, franchise uh, high in terms of comeback. They surmount that, they end up notching the W, and a lot of people get blamed for it. There's a lot of just animosity and questions surrounding them because the Thunder, at the time, I think they were 0-4, no wins, not a lot of success coming their way, and when you look at their major success, it was probably losing to the Warriors and being around single digits most of the game, right? Like, they lost to Houston by 30-plus. They look, like, really, really bad. So, doing that against a Lakers team without LeBron, but honestly, you know, with you, when you have Westbrook and AD out there and you still lose after being up 27, I'm not even sure if the context matters. And then, when you do want to bring in the context, it might make it worse, considering you have a 23-year-old in SGA who's very good, but the surrounding pieces, they don't have all-star caliber numbers or anything. You know, Josh Giddy was making pivotal plays in that one, and going into this, you know, you still had Russ and AD surrounding your core. You're looking to make an instrumental win and kind of set things straight because there were a lot of people kind of crushing and demeaning the Lakers for that loss. So you go into that, and the Lakers look really good against the Thunder. They start out with an 8-0 run. Russ and Avery Bradley are the main uh, two guys coming from that. But also, you had Anthony Davis going around the basket. Two interior looks from him, though... Darius Baisley did get a three off to kind of end that initial run. Uh, it didn't matter though. You know, you get the Baisley hits. SGA also had a step back, but Anthony Davis was still right around the basket. And this is exactly what happened in the first game. You just feed the paint. Who's going to defend you? Derek Favors? Derek Favors is a solid center, but you know, he's 30 years old. He doesn't have the same hop in his step as he used to. Anthony Davis, sure he's getting up in age, but he can still fly. He can make things happen and he can get you points 
in bunches. So he had 12 of the Lakers' first 16 points, 16 to 8 run right there to set you off on the right tone. And then Russell Westbrook canned a 26 foot pull up to get them up 11 points with a little bit above five minutes to go in the first quarter. And when they were looking for points, the Thunder. You know, it's kind of just all over the place to begin with. But Darius Baisley somehow became the guy. He had a mini run in the frame. He had an alley-oop jam. I think Josh Giddy had a two-on-one situation. He kind of just uh, hung around the mid-range for a little bit and then threw it up. But he's got a nice two-hander in. And then on the very next play, he was also able to get a driving layup. And that cut the game down to six. But the issue was, once you get Bays out of the rotation, you got to put in some other guys. You would think, you know, hey, Bays was the player. Even in the instrumental wins or the big pushes from the Thunder lately, they've had to rely on one or two guys for the first and second quarter. You take that guy out, and you're kind of just hanging out a lifeline, hoping something sticks. Threw a bunch of different people in, but it worked. They scored a 7-0 stint out of that once Baisley clocked out and the biggest shot came from SGA who would have guessed right pull up three just right in their faces cut the game down to one point or yeah cut the game down to one point but Wayne Ellington did hit a three in the closing seconds to get it a 25 to 21 game through one so this was still a very tight contest anybody could have taken it and when you look at what was going on it's really all about the stars, just like it has been in the past. AD here did 14 points. He was shooting 7 of 8 to get there. And then Darius Baisley had 9 points. SGA had 6. And then those two as a collective had 6 of the Thunder's first 8. Or just in total, 8 made baskets from the frame. So it was 2-man offense for the Thunder. And then for the Lakers, they just had to feed the brow inside. But going into that second quarter, you still had to look at the Thunder's production. They had Bays, but, you know, is he, is he going to be consistent enough? Same with the bench pieces. Needless to say, they were not consistent. They started one of eight in the opening run of things. And then for the Lakers, they took advantage. They ended up going on a streak that put them up 10 points in this little mini run. That put them up 14 in the long run and it kind of just put them exactly where they needed to be so just inside three minutes of the second quarter Lakers are up 14 they're looking to build on it and the Thunder they kind of have their back pressed up against the wall and then the Thunder they had one little moment Kendrick Williams had a good turnaround it got the game to 12 12 footer as well to add to it but the Lakers they still were just not having it Austin Reeves he had a three-point shot he had a couple other pull-ups uh and then you go on a 19-4 opening run. That's going to get you to the magic number. 19-point lead for the Lakers. 44-25 to is where it was stooped at. And then, you know, there were only six minutes remaining in the second quarter. They're looking pretty good in the grand scheme of things. So the Thunder, uh, the Thunder, you know, they're looking to make some sort of comeback on the Lakers camp. You know, they're, they're looking to keep it at 20. They don't want a repeat of history or anything. So they're looking solid uh, until... You get Ty Jerome in the game. So there was maybe a minute or two where no one was making shots, but you get Ty Jerome plugged in. A player we know is able to put up three after three or just get into those mini runs, and he does exactly that. He has five points in an eight to one starting run, and then you had some really good plays from it as well where Josh Giddy and SGA were just going to floater after floater, got free throws off of it, but Ty Jerome kept just knocking on the door to end the quarter. He hit two three-point shots. These are almost identical right corner 
just catch and shoots. Some of them, I actually think one of them was almost on the move, off balance, didn't matter, went in, and it put them on a 12-2 closing run. They were only down four points going into halftime. 52-48 to is where you were at, and that was best case scenario for the Thunder, having to overcome a 19-point deficit, damn near a one-possession game. If you get that and one off a three, it actually is a one-possession game. But um, yeah, it, this was really good. And then when when you're checking the shooting splits, they weren't off the charts. They were shooting 37% overall, 17 of 46. And then from three, they were shooting seven of 22. So they're shooting a little bit above 33%, but it's not crazy. It's also better than what we've seen when they're losing now. Granted, that's by 20 points, not four. So they were solid, but the main guy to look at was Ty Jerome. 13 points came in the first half from him. He shot four of six to get there, added two assists as well, and he did it all in nine minutes. So he was just a firecracker off the bench that they sort of needed. And then for the Lakers, they just had to look at their old reliable in Anthony Davis. He had 18 points and 12 rebounds in 18 minutes when you're looking at the grand scheme of things. And then also, they're shooting well. They're shooting 45% from the floor. And they were actually going a little bit above uh, 30% from distance. But they didn't have near as many attempts. They went 5 of 16. And they had another guy in Russell Westbrook. He had 14 points and 4 rebounds. So it was just the dynamic duo of those two that kind of gave you those percentages right there. When you're checking the outsiders, you didn't really have that third member maybe like what the thunder had in bays and then sga also i think he had 10 points by the end of the first half but going into the third quarter you had the game go down to a single possession the thunder got a quick basket two point game but then la got back on their run they had a 10 to 2 run in two minutes russell westbrook was kind of the main guy he had just pull up after pull up a couple other shots went in but they're up 10 points off of that and then you had to get a timeout out, obviously. Gotta rejuvenate, and Josh Giddy did just that. He had an inbound from, I think, the right hash it, it was, but yeah, right hash, inbound, so obviously it's advanced. But he just one-arms it, rifles it with his right hand to Darius Baisley, cross-court to the left corner. He doesn't even think about the shot. He just instantly gets an emotion. He drains it it's down to seven and then Josh Giddy just turned into a beast he had a floater on the very next possession Derek Favors came off an assist from Giddy where he drove inside he just waited until the final second to dish it that got them another conversion and then by the end of it you know it was an 8-0 streak where the Thunder were back in action in a single possession game and the Lakers lead just wavered around there from two to four points back and forth they had a really good run, though, at the end. Seven straight to get them up 79-70, to 70, uh, but they were holding on for dear life. It was 80-72 to 72 going into the final 12 minutes, and OKC looked at the three-point line for the fourth quarter. First two shots went from distance for the Lakers. They were kind of just looking towards AD, as, uh, as they should, uh, but then you go to the three-point line, and SGA tapped into it. He had a 26-foot step back, got the game down to one point after the altercations, and then the Thunder actually got a lead. Five minutes left, 527 to be exact. First lead of the game off a Kenrich Williams backdoor cut. Beautiful dunk 
to put it in. And then SGA extended it to four. He got open, had an and one off of a reverse layup. Then you had Russ. He had four straight to get it tied. And Mike Muscala stepped up to the plate with five consecutive points to get up five with four minutes to go. So it was kind of just like I talked about the back and forth, back and forth. The energy in the arena uh, was like nothing else because it's kind of like the exact same setup as the 26-point game where they just start falling, but then they get right back, and it's kind of like the scare of a lifetime, just roller coaster of emotions. It was all playing out again, and to make it even worse, the Lakers got back on that roller coaster. They got on that high. Avery Bradley hit a three-point shot on the very next play, got it down to two. Russell Westbrook slashed inside, hit two free throws to tie it up. And with two minutes and 23 seconds to go, Anthony Davis hits a step back from six feet out to give them a 95-93 to lead. So this is kind of when the real nail biters start setting in. You know as you're crossing that two-minute mark that stuff is just about to go down. And they were just running their offense through SGA, as they should have. You know, I kind of wasn't talking about it, but over time, you know, the and one reverse layup, the three-pointers that he was hitting, he was really finding his mojo. And he was slashing in on two guys, picking up fouls. He got two free throws to tie this game up at 95 all at two minutes. And then Carmelo, he went up for a three almost instantly. First look didn't go in. Go on the other side. Josh Giddy finds an open Kenrich Williams, 24 feet deep. He hits a three, 98 to 95. And then off of a mellow miss, it's going the other way for the Thunder. And this is the craziest shot that I think I've seen uh, in a very long time for the Thunder. I'm trying to think of one. I really can't, right? Like this reminisced of almost Russell Westbrook territory against the Nuggets, just like that level of hype. SGA, he's looking like he's going into normal half court. He stops around the logo and just pulls it. 34 feet away, he swishes home a trifecta. Six-point lead for the Thunder. Absolute silence. They had to call a timeout. SGA is emotional as can be. He's actually yelling. Ty Jerome's yelling. They're, you know, Ty was on the bench, but they're coming together. Kind of give him like the little jump into each other deal. Josh Giddy was laughing like crazy. He had a little smirk on his face off of it. I don't blame him. Like everybody was just electric off of that shot. And it's just because SGA play after play was just finding people open and willing his way back into the game because this was not one handed over. You know what I mean? Like the Lakers kept clawing and clawing and that shot to get them up six seemed like it would have been the punctuation mark. But they go back out. Full timeout. Austin Reeves takes a shot 26 uh, 26 feet back. And he hits it. So it's a three-point game now with just over a minute to go. And then they're looking to foul. So they foul Lou Dort. He goes up for one free throw. Sticks it. Hits the second one. It's a four. Now five-point game actually with 53 seconds. And on the ensuing possession, Carmelo Anthony goes for a three, and he swishes it from the top of the key. So now it's a two-point game. And what do you have on the other end? You have a missed layup from Lou Dort. So the Lakers have a chance to actually tie or win the game off of the next possession. 
and Russell Westbrook is just slashing inside, going in from the right wing, and as he's driving in, the ball, I think it hit his right knee or something, but it just went flying up in the air, errant turnover, it's going the other way, and the Thunder called a timeout off of it. They were going crazy after that, so you get the ball advanced, and you're just looking to find someone open, you're looking to get somebody to get fouled, hopefully the the best guy on your roster, right, so they decided to actually swap out uh, Giddy to put in Darius Baisley, I guess that helps with free throws somehow, uh, but they go in, this time it's from the left hash, and they find SGA, kind of in like a last resort option, we're talking four seconds has already passed, just give it to SGA, and he's hovering around the logo again, like 30 to 34 feet deep. He just starts sprinting to the left hash yet again. And he's picking up two, three, hell, even four guys from the Lakers. And one of which was um, Lou Dort's matchup in Russell Westbrook. So Lou Dort was kind of hanging around the right wing, maybe in the right corner. But he wasn't doing much in this play. And Russ... He was just caught ball watching, so he sprints over to SGA, and as he recognizes everyone's bringing up attention, he knows, you know, if he's able to find somebody, it's likely going to lead to a good look, because you're getting quadruple teamed damn near. So he soars up, two-handed overhead dime to Lou Dort, he's cutting in, and he dunks it down, the Lakers couldn't even react in time, four-point game with 17 seconds to go. And then on the next play, Melo hits another three, 105 to 104. You can't even make it up. So after all those heroics, SGA's half-court shot, SGA finding Dort on a cut, it's not done. So they go out with another Dagnall timeout. He's drawing something up. And Lou Dort gets the ball with eight seconds, goes up to the line, hits it, goes up for the second one, hits it. Three-point game. They're still not done yet. Eight seconds is a lot of time in basketball terms, and they didn't have timeouts, so they just had to check it in and get a look. Russell Westbrook was the guy. He goes up for a pull-up. It doesn't fall. Davis gets the rebound. 0.6 seconds left. It didn't even matter. Game, set, match. Went the Thunder's way 107-104. to So for the Thunder... Game of two and six record. Both of those wins against the Lakers. Collectively, what is that in total? 45 points. The average comeback, 22.5 points on average is the comeback against the Lakers. Didn't matter to them. They take it home. And then for the Lakers, they get a, a bunch of segments on ESPN talking about this loss. And they are now at five and four. Two of those losses, obviously, coming from the hands of the OKC Thunder. So it was ridiculous. A lot of big plays, a lot of big stars. And I'm going to be talking about that in one second. But first, I want to tell you guys a little bit about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA is back. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. And to make it even better, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering same-game parlays. Here's what you have to do. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets if they win. 
you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details, and if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, going into the numbers from this game, let's talk about the Lakers first. Just get the cat out of the bag. They choked in historic fashion. Yet again, you're up 19 points. How do you squander this stuff? I don't think you can even write this crap. So you go into it, you know, like I said, the first half was not as good as their last game. They were shooting in the 60s in that game. 45%, that's still a pretty clean cut. You go into that second half, it's not like they were terrible either, right? Like they had those major moments in the fourth. They shot 38% in all, but the silver lining is they shot 7 of 17 from three that's 41 percent and they went 11 of 12 from the foul line so they had various various options when it came to hitting shots however there were some players who weren't hitting that often anthony davis he was the calling card in the first half he only had a three of seven palette in the second and granted it wasn't like he was bad i mean he had 11 points and six rebounds in the half so I would have talked about it anyways that's a good stat line but he had to work at the line for him which is big so they were shutting down the paint he ended up going five of six at the line which is how he breached double digits there but when you're looking at guys that aren't focusing only on the interior it looks bad I mean Russ he went four of 11 he had that pivotal turnover that kind of swayed the tides of this game seemed like he could have waited in the half court and maybe found a better look giving it to somebody else Uh, this or that it doesn't really matter but it didn't end up well and then Carmelo he was big from three shot four of eight but when you take that out he ended up shooting one of four on twos so it did kind of diminish what he was doing in all but they were still solid regardless I mean you check it out Anthony Davis he already was going off he didn't get 30 he had 29 he had 18 rebounds to go along with it though so he was beasting the entire way Russ's stat line looks good, 27 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists. Now, depending on who you ask, they might blame him for this loss because of the ending. He did kind of um, not perform to his highest in the clutch, I'm not going to lie. That pull-up was kind of errant. Same with just sprinting in a moment where you could have just drained the clock and found a look. I, I get it going for two possessions, but definitely not in that fashion he was not in the right mind and he didn't have the right opportunity really to even drive in and try to create a look for himself so those two got to the 20 mark so did Carmelo off the bench and he was just the guy who could have changed the entire outcome of this he, he was so hot in the clutch I mean he finished the game shooting 5 of 10 from 3 8 of 18 overall he had 21 points he got to play 32 minutes as well because of it. And Kent Bazemore took a hit. DeAndre Jordan, they were both starters. Jordan played 14 minutes. Bazemore played 22. They were just letting the hot hands play. And the same goes for Austin Reeves. He had eight points. He went two of five from three. And those two threes were pretty big as well. So all things considered, they were good, but they could not stop SGA. He had them tied down the entire fourth quarter and really the entire game. He had 28 points, 3 rebounds, and 6 assists in this one. But the big deal 
is the scoring. He was a massive threat. He went 6 of 6 from the foul line. He was looking good on the free throws as well. But look at the 3, man. 4 of 7. And he was just getting a lot of attention his way anyways. So the fact he was getting open looks, he was converting with the sidestep, with the step back, with a freaking half-court shot that pretty much sent this one uh, to the Thunder's direction. It's ridiculous. So we already know the deal with him. He's a star, and he's actually getting national attention for this game, which is good but also bad because you do like to kind of keep it a secret. Same time, though, he deserves all the praise, and he deserves to be in the all-star conversation regardless of what the record looks like uh, by February. Going beyond that, though, Lou Dort dropped 17 points. Wasn't all that impressed with his shooting splits, though. He shot 4 of 14, 3 of 11 from downtown, and went 6 of 6 at the stripe. That's great. From the free throw line, love to see it from Lou. 3 of 11 is not going to cut it, and if it was not for SGA, this would have been an ugly loss because there was no one else who you could really entrust. Maybe one other guy in terms of passing, but not in terms of shooting the ball. Basically, he actually might have been the second best option, which is crazy because, you know, you had the discussions. Every pod, myself included, was kind of talking about it. Like, the inconsistencies overshadow the good games. You know, he's, he's putting a couple good games together. This was one of them. He shot 6 of 12, 2 of 3 from the line, and because of it, he looked pretty good at the end of things. 14 points and 5 rebounds, only 1 assist, but he really wasn't utilized that way. You know, that first quarter is big. That's always when Baisley seems to shine, and then the second, third, and fourth, it's when he tones it back. He had a really good first quarter, but... You know, he wasn't overbearing in terms of shots, which is really big. And then also, you know, he went two of three from distance. We don't want to see him shooting a lot of threes. And this might be the outlier uh, because of the situation. I don't think he's going to be taking two or three a game, right? Like, ideally, that's what you want. However, he's still going to be left open, even if he did make two of his three shots in one game. He's not a certified shooter yet, so that is a question mark. He was a positive in this game, though, and he only played 24 minutes. Derek Favors was good, too. He didn't play 30. He played 20, uh, 28, yeah. He went 5 of 5 to get his 10 points, had 12 rebounds, and had 5 of those coming on the offensive side, too, which was major in terms of keeping them alive. You had, you had to get somebody to counteract Davis, right? And you're not going to find that in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You're not going to find that in Isaiah Roby. I mean, Roby didn't even play, so that tells you something. They had to look towards favors, and I thought that he did a pretty all right job there. And to round out the starters, Josh Giddy was great as a passer. That 8-0 run was one of the major turning points, and it all kind of directs back to him. He went 2 of 9 in the game, 0 of 2 from 3, but it didn't really dissuade him from being a productive piece. Finished the game with 5 points, 8 rebounds, and a team high of 8 assists. He's leading the team in assists like on a nightly basis almost now. It is wacky what he's doing with the basketball and some of the passes, like the inbound pass. I've never seen someone do that on a, in a Thunder jersey, really, especially not someone who's 19 years old. So the future looking very, very bright. And it's also looking bright for Ty Jerome, I'd say, too, because he started the season out behind Teo, obviously behind SGA and Giddy, even Trey Mann as well before he got sent down. I don't think you're going to be able to put him below Teo off of what he did 14 points in the game, also had three assists, three of eight from distance, and four of 10 overall. 
he was so crisp and you know he's able to play on or off which makes him so versatile and it makes his stock just kind of jump up when you're looking at how this offense is currently being ran you need more shooters than you do ball handlers right now because SGA he can do it kind of as a one-man show and then for Josh Giddy, he's able to incorporate everybody whether it's off the drive or if he's kicking it out uh, for a three-point shot so Big ups to him. And then also to Kenrich Williams. He had 13 points in the game, shot 5 of 11 and 2 of 5 from 3. He got 30 minutes, and it's deserved. I think when you're trying to place the best five-man lineup, Kenrich Williams needs to slide in for somebody. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's Baisley. doesn't matter if it's Favors. doesn't matter who it is, but he just has a veteran presence. He has really good defense, 2 through 4, which is pivotal in terms of stopping a team like the Lakers. And then also... He has a pretty solid all-around game on offense, which makes him kind of a weapon on both sides. You're going to need someone like that, and you're going to need someone who's willing to do the dirty work without getting much praise for it. And Kenrich does it on a night-to-night basis. This is one where you're definitely looking at him as one of the major, major players. Guys like Poku and Teo didn't get to play. Poku played 10 minutes. Teo played 4 minutes. Mike Muscala played seven minutes, and he got the uh, five-point run that kind of helped him out. Uh, But this was a game that all centered around SGA. So we'll be talking about him going into tomorrow's game against the Spurs. We'll be talking about a lot of these guys. Uh, But yeah, that was the major, major takeaway. Just SGA really just dismantling this Lakers squad in the clutch and getting Bricktown their second victory. Before I wrap it up, though, I want to talk about the Blue I said I didn't know what I do in terms of how often I talk about them. For the first game, I feel like it's only right I talk about what they were doing, and they were ultra productive. They took on the Salt Lake City Stars at the Paycom Center. 1,500 people went. Now, when you look at it, uh, I'm not sure if 1,500 were there. I think most of it were on the opposite end in terms of uh, where the cameras were, but you had a kind of a smaller crowd it's to be expected it's a g league game and also you're in a paycom center where a lot of people can be held in there so maybe the attendance didn't look uh, near as high as uh, it did report on the g league website but it is what it is so you go into the seven uh, o'clock tip and you know they're looking pretty good when you're checking out the salt lake city stars the main people to look at in my opinion uh, i think the main person's actually macy ot got a baylor he has looked great in terms of the summer league outlets. I loved him. I think he was a great pickup. Uh, and then you don't really see many other great guys. Now, Zaire Wade is the star, I guess you say. He's the person with all the name recognition from this unit because he's Dwayne Wade's kid. And also, you know, he was their first round pick. So you got to give him credit for that as well. There's kind of some high expectations, but it's really nothing in comparison to what the blue were bringing. You're talking about all these different assignees, Trey Mann's on the roster, Vic Credgey's there, the two two-ways and Paul Watson Jr. and Aaron Wiggins have looked great, not to mention they're bringing back four guys, two of which, actually three of which, looked great last season, and the new additions like DJ Wilson, for example, he has a lot of NBA experience and he can stretch the floor out. Just having a stretch four in a G League system is huge and it's going to amplify your game probably more than it would uh, in the NBA where guys are able to switch a little bit easier. So going into the first quarter, it was kind of just a jousting match. It was a 23 to 16 uh, up for the Thunder. So they're they're up seven. I guess the blue, but saw a lot of different guys filter in and out, at least for the Thunder's camp. Main thing you want to look at though, 
is the starting unit. They had Scotty Hobson playing. DJ Wilson was there. Paul Watson was there. Vit Kredge and Trey Mann rounded it out. So it's Mann, Kredge, Watson, Hobson, and Wilson. Whenever I showed you guys what I thought or what my projections were, I had Aaron Wiggins being a starter, but it didn't really matter. He got to play just under half of this first quarter. Same as Xavier Simpson. And they were able to put some baskets down pretty easily. The one thing that I saw, though, Rob Edwards is not in the main rotation, which kind of has me some sort of way. I think once Mann is out, that's going to change, of course. But you only got to play two minutes, uh, and you know you didn't really get to see a lot of shots for him. The main person shooting, Trey Mann. I mean, he went 0 of 3. Had Paul Watson Jr., though, who went 2 of 4. And Wilson, he shot five times, found money on two of them, but... That was kind of that. So you move on to the second quarter, and this is where you start to see a big ramp in production for the Blue. They outscore them 34-20, to 20, get the double-digit lead by halftime, and they're looking at actually a 20-point lead come halftime due to what was going on in the first quarter as well. So this is where you start to see a lot more guys. Trey Mann specifically is turning it up. He had eight points and three assists. In just seven minutes of being out there, Rob Edwards got some time. He didn't really make many shots, uh, but they were just out there working. And when you're checking out the Salt Lake City Stars, they're shooting 36 from the floor, 36 from three, which is good. But they just could not keep up with what the Thunder were doing. They were shooting 63% from the floor. Didn't even need to look in uh, to the three, really. They went two of four, and then they won the rebound battle 14 to seven. Some things just don't really change but the big deal came in the third quarter and this is where you start looking at the thunder or the blue just with a whole new lens so even in the first half they were dominating from start to finish they had this spacing down they had some really good opportunities off of screens but the third quarter the salt lake city stars couldn't buy a basket and it's because they were working on both ends the blue they were crushing it on offense defense though whole new level they went scoreless for eight whole minutes in the third quarter they only had six points in the quarter the thunder had 32 so that got them up into the 50s in terms of the lead and they were really just getting whatever they wanted they didn't even need to look towards the three again they tried a little bit more they shot 10 hit four of them but they went 12 of 19 overall so they went eight of nine on twos hit all four of their free throws, and also got that rebound battle yet again with 14 rebounds to their, or eight. So 14 to eight. It's still pretty damn huge though. And they were just throwing in everybody. When you're checking out the rotations here, you had a grand total of 11 guys playing in this third quarter. And for the Salt Lake City Stars, they were more or less doing the same thing, just shuffling players in and out because honestly nothing was working for them they had one guy who hit more than one field goal it was macy ot he went uh he went two of five they hit three field goals in total though so it was very ugly it looked like you know they were just getting straight up outmatched and come the fourth quarter this game was already said and done they wanted to add insult to injury though they outscored them 29 to 21 and won the game 118 to 63 63 points in a 48 minute game g league g league game you're dropping 63 points it was not going their way and it's just because the blue had them from the get-go 
the Salt Lake City Stars finished this game shooting 32% from the field, 25 of 78, and then from three, it was even worse. They shot 9 of 37, 24.3%. They couldn't get to the foul line, which is normally where G League teams kind of save themselves. They didn't even get 10 on the night, so it's hard to get whistles. They went 3 of 9, though, so it didn't matter anyways. They weren't hitting shots. And they only had two guys getting to double digits. One of them was Macy Oteague. It's kind of their star, of course. He had 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. And Zaire Wade, surprisingly, got 10 points. He was kind of out there uh, mainly as a catch-and-shoot guy, but he was still impressive nonetheless. Everyone else, though, absolutely freaking not, man. Derek Alston Jr. went 1 of 17 on this game. That's 5.9%. He didn't make it 3, and he shot 10 of them. So <laughs> that might be the worst game he's had in his professional career. I hope it is because 1 of 17 is not going to cut it. Like, why do you keep force-feeding the man? I'm not too sure. The coach got to talk about this one, though. This was ugly. And then on defense, like I mentioned, they just couldn't cover the blue. They shot 55% on the game, 41% from three, 14 of 34, and then went 9 of 13 at the foul line. When it came to rebounding, this is a stat that I didn't think the blue would do particularly well in. They they dominated. They had 54 rebounds, whereas the Salt Lake City Stars only had 37. So that's a plus 17 margin going in the Blues' favor. Now, when you looked at what they were doing last season, a lot of their offensive rebounds or a lot of their rebounds came on the offensive glass. They had seven in this game. That's not really that wild. There were some where you would have Moses Brown getting 10 on his own, right? So this was nothing crazy. It was just making stops and making sure they didn't get second effort chances. So that just led to more shots for the blue and a lot more hits. This was a beautiful point spread. You ended up finding seven different guys in double digits and you got to play really everybody top to bottom minimum of seven minutes a game and that's very difficult to do uh, at a g league level especially when you have guys playing for the thunder down there and one of your first round picks it didn't matter though they were able to space it out and they were able to give everybody a decent portion of the minutes so paul watson jr actually led the team in scoring he had 15 points went five of nine and went four of seven from three that's kind of his big deal um, but DJ Wilson was actually the second best dude off of the starting unit. He had 13 points and 11 rebounds. Like I said, I'm surprised DJ even stuck around with the blue. I thought he'd go overseas, but he wanted to stick around. Only had to play 18 minutes to pick all this up. Went 5 of 10. Only 1 of 4 from 3 though, so there is some room for improvement. Big thing though, look at the guards. Trey Mann got 11 points and 8 assists in 24 minutes, 4 of 9 from the field, 0 of 3 from distance. Just looking at him as a passer, though, was pretty damn special. And then for Vit Kredchi, he goes in, first time he's gotten legit minutes in over a year, by the way. He has 10 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists, going 3 of 5 from the floor and 2 of 3 from downtown. His three is not that fast, but it's a lot quicker than a guy like Gabrielle Deck. And when he's a six foot eight point guard, I don't think having a slow, slow release, well, actually, a slow, slow one is bad, but just a slow release, it's not going to kill you. He gets by with his jumper. That is a major, major plus. And a lot of other guys were just able to play their game. 
Aaron Wiggins, beast. He finished the game with eight points. He shot four of five, didn't even need to look towards the three, which lets you know kind of how versatile he is as a player. He also had five assists, though, which was kind of the surprise, I'd say, for Wiggins. Jalen Horde, he comes in with 10 points and four assists, actually, two rebounds to go along with it. And he's looking just like normal, just looking at him as a penetrator. Not many uh, threes for him. He only hit one on the game. And Rob Edwards didn't hit that many shots either. He shot three of seven, two of five from distance, played only 15 minutes, was still able to get 10 points and looked pretty solid on the game. Melvin Frazier Jr. too, as a returner, he only had two points. He didn't look good as a scorer. However, when it comes to picking people's pockets, he does the job. That's where he looked good at Tulane. That's where he kind of found his stripes with Lakeland and looks like he's maybe trying to carve a role out here uh, with the steals as well. He had four on the night. It's just it's like 17 minutes. That's pretty damn productive. And Olivier Saar took the cake for my favorite player of the game, actually. 16 minutes. He has 14 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. And this is what I mentioned. You guys can kind of check me on this from uh, a couple episodes before, but with Olivier Saar, I kind of look at him as a guy who could be a dark horse for those double doubles because he's a seven footer who is very springy. He's able to get put back dunks. He's able to get offensive rebounds and he's able to just get open inside, which is really all you need. If you're a big body, you're going to be successful in the G League, and you kind of package that with his athletic ability, it's going to be a very good recipe for success. So he went six of nine, one of two from three. I don't know how legit that three ball is though, so we'll check up on it, but this was a very, very uh, impressive debut for Saar at the G League level, and this is the guy kind of banked on playing well. We need legit centers on this team. He's kind of the only true one outside of maybe DJ Wilson. We'll see if He's going to play more or if he's going to be a steady 16 minutes once the games get a little bit more tight because this is kind of one where everybody on both sides got to play just here and there kind of finding your footing more or less and yeah he knocked it out of the park for the other guys I didn't talk about Justin Jarowski these are the guys that didn't play more than 10 minutes so they might be at the bottom of the rotation he had four points no threes from him Lindy Waters though he got a three yeah he got two actually to get six points and if you guys are an Oklahoma State fan you probably know Lindy if you're a Syracuse fan or just a March Madness fan you also probably know Michael Benajay he went two or three in seven minutes kind of surprised that he only played seven though because he's a pretty decent scorer I think at the G League level score like that's not going to be limited but that just tells you the depth on this team and they're going to be playing again on Sunday just like the Thunder will it's going to be an 11 a.m. tip for the blue and a 7 p.m. tip for the Thunder. So if you guys are in OKC tomorrow, you guys will be able to get tickets for both actually. Same day, you guys can watch the first game, maybe get something to eat, check out Bricktown, come back at 7 and watch the Spurs. Should be in a pretty exciting night and depending on the ticket prices, could be pretty cheap, could be a bang for your buck, could be a pretty exciting way to cap off your weekend. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.